if you haven't figured it out yet, or for those from England who've forgotten me, my name's Nick, and it's my honour to share with you the message that God has laid on my heart. This preach isn't following our series in Hebrews, rather, I was asked to bring a message that God had given me during my prep time. When Dale approaches you and gives you a free preach that is, uh, one way you can preach on any topic you like, you think that would be easy. It really isn't. The task isn't as simple as picking a random topic and talking for 30 minutes. That's easy. I could bore anyone for half an hour on a whole heap of topics. Preaching is about conveying God's message, not mine. The challenge any preacher faces is finding out what that message is. As I said, my preach comes from a prophetic picture I had during my prepared time about stirring fresh faith. We find ourselves in the midst of change. A Sunday at the moment can, to the casual observer, look incredibly similar to previous weeks. The church family, however, are aware that things aren't quite how they used to be. We notice that people, even whole families, are absent from our gathering as they serve our family in Wimborne. Our family, almost overnight, has grown massively. We've suddenly got a whole new family in Christ who we don't know so well. Even with all these new people, rotors are a bit tight in places. Last minute changes can leave us unsettled and unsure. We miss the people who we're used to having around all the time. We could look at these changes as a loss. I want to encourage you though, and stir fresh faith in you because God is on the move. Only a couple of weeks ago I was at Wimborne being totally blown away by the impact God was having on that family. At the time of writing this I'd just come back and I was emotionally exhausted. We had a morning together, something like I'd never experienced really before. God was on the move. The Holy Spirit was doing business, speaking to the church as a whole, as well as individually, individuals directly through the prophetic. God is moving. He is doing something new, something exciting, and we all get to be a part of that. It doesn't stop there either. We've had a real theme appearing here at 42. Mark preached a few weeks ago on the spiritual gifts, and we're beginning to see the fruit of that. One thing that's becoming clear is prayer. We're being prompted that people need prayer, and we're expectant to see those prayers answered. We're seeing more and more people hearing from God and stepping up boldly to share that message. This morning, I feel God is saying, take note. You're all so important to him that you're not here by chance. He is in the business of changing lives, and he wants you to be a part of it. If you feel that the Holy Spirit is doing business whilst I preach, or during our response through worship, then I would encourage you to act on it. It's important that, having heard or felt the Holy Spirit's prompt, we respond quickly. Don't wait for a written invite or for the mood to feel just right. If this message impacts you, if someone brings a word, a picture or a prophetic message that resonates, I want to encourage you to do something with it quickly. I'll encourage you all again at the end of this message. Can I ask you, how's your faith today? With every car I've owned, there's been the annual joy that accompanies it. Without fail, the Department of Transport encourages me to send my ageing motor for a checkup, the dreaded MOT. For the six months beforehand, I know it's coming. I know that I'm going to pay someone to write off my precious vehicle again. It's normally costly in the three things I don't have in abundance. Time, effort and money. 
albeit a pain, the MOT does serve a purpose. It highlights areas that need a bit of care and attention. It shows us where something might be a little out of alignment or what needs a little adjustment here or there. Consider this message as a faith MOT. I'm not going to grade you. I'm not looking for a pass or a fail. Rather, use this as an opportunity to check over the structure of your faith. So let's, together, kick the tyres, tug the seatbelts, and later in worship we'll give the engine a good rev and honk the horn. We might find some advisories along the way, but there is nothing that will write you off. In fact, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. We all get dinks and scrapes along the way. Situations, people and circumstances can leave us scarred and hurt us. They might not be big knocks or dents, but we know they're there. Some things need to be chatted over and could be considered an easy fix. Others take time. They don't disappear overnight. They take prayer and effort to work through. My second car was a dark blue Peugeot 306 TDI Meridian. Classy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It had a few faults, some of which I found a knack of clearing. My alternator would sometimes throw a light on the dashboard. Being of mechanical persuasion, I found the cure was to park up and, leaving the engine running, pop the bonnet. I'd grab my big metal breaker bar from the boot and smash the end against the alternator a couple of times, thus clearing the light, at least for another day or two. Another snag was the airbag light. Sometimes it would flash up, again, annoying me. Clearing this fault meant stopping at the next red traffic light, turning the engine off, sliding my seat all the way forward, all the way back, and returning it to my optimum driving position. Once again, a clear dashboard. These quick bodges seem to work. For a few days. Our faith is often the first thing that takes the beating, and can be the last thing we try to repair. It's in our nature to try and fix ourselves. Jesus, however, isn't about the quick fix. He's in the repair business. Nothing less than the perfect is sufficient for him. Only he can heal us emotionally as well as physically. Only by his stripes, those wounds he endured for us, can we be healed. We have a saviour that endured pain and beatings and a bloodied head and humiliation and separation and crucifixion for us. One day we will be free. We will be made whole and complete and perfect on that final day. That day when we finally come home to our promised eternal home. As Christians, followers of Christ, we're not called to sit around and wait for that final day. We're called to trust in Jesus for our hope, our salvation and our faith. We need to work at building relationship with God and allowing his spirit to work within us. That healing power for the emotional and physical bumps, scrapes and dents is available to us now. But can I be clear? Those bumps, scrapes and dents are not caused by a lack of faith, but they can cause a lack of faith. We live in the age of sin and we will continue to live around it until Jesus comes again. As a result, life leaves us with these dents and scratches. It's in these dark moments we, f we can forget. We feel alone, neglected, abandoned and rejected. I tell you this morning, that is not the case. 
You have not been neglected or abandoned. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. You have not been rejected, for you are a royal priesthood. Heirs to the throne of heaven. Does this stir you? I find my faith level goes up a notch when I remember who I am in Christ. My identity is so important because it reminds me who I am and what I am. I am a child of God. Our Father in heaven is a good Father. He cares for us and doesn't want us to hurt or suffer. As a result, he sent Jesus to die that we can live. No one else can keep that promise. In the UK, we are in a privileged position to have the NHS. They do a superb job and are wonderful superhumans. But their 1.2 million staff cannot help your faith. Sure, some can probably point you in the right direction, much like I'm doing this morning. Only the Holy Spirit that dwells inside us can restore our faith. When you pray, Jesus intercedes for us. The Father longs for a relationship with us. Let this be the encouragement for fresh faith, beginning to build fresh confidence in Jesus' plan. We are promised a life eternal, free from tears, pain and suffering. That promise began with Jesus' birth and was cemented by his resurrection from the grave. Only Jesus sustains us, protects us and is the author and perfecter of our faith. The new kingdom is approaching, but it is not yet fully come. But it is here, in part. We get to enjoy a glimpse of our new life, an appetizer, an hors d'oeuvre as it were. The promise has begun and there is so much more to come. This is where our faith comes from. Our faith rests in him. If we let our eyes drop, then so does our faith. By faith we believe, so to keep, to keep believing we need to have faith. How many times in Exodus do we see those Jews lose sight of their God that was present in the column of cloud and the fire? How many times did they moan at Moses that they were going to die in the wilderness? They had a constant visual reminder of their holy God. We build faith by reminding ourselves who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We need to be able to rest on him, trust in him and journey alongside him. The Jews in the Exodus had a constant visual reminder. We have a constant physical reminder. When Jesus departed the earth, he left the Holy Spirit to guide us and comfort us. This is our confidence, our promise of life evermore with Jesus. That little feeling you get inside, that leap in your soul, that's the Holy Spirit working within you. It's our faith and belief in Jesus that gets us through the pain, the hurt and the scars. Knowing that there is a God who cares for you, is devoted to you, loves you, is all present and all knowing. Jesus says in Matthew 17, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. See, you don't need a lot of faith to see things happen. In those moments of darkness, in the seasons of hardship, we cry out to our Saviour like a child in desperate need of comfort. It's our faith that assures us that God hears us, knowing his heart breaks for us, that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. God has given us this faith as a free gift. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. When our faith has taken a few rounds of Tyson Fury, I need to find encouragement to rebuild it. 
renew and strengthen it, ready for the next round. So I have three areas that help me when my faith gets dented. What renews and strengthens our faith? 1. Scripture. As we trust by faith and not by sight, we trust in his holy word, the Bible. When I was back in youth in King's Church, one of the girls, Penny, gave us each a slip of paper with a verse from Proverbs on it. 16.9 The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. How refreshing is it knowing that, even if my planning obsession doesn't go to plan, God has already got it sussed. See, I don't establish my steps. God establishes my steps. I can rest in my path knowing that God is completely in control. The route might be my own, but God is guiding me the whole way, even if I do meander sometimes. Back in 2016, I preached on Jonah. I titled it, There's Hope for Us Yet. The beauty is, there is hope for us yet. Your faith might be in good shape, it might be dented, or you might feel completely written off. Either way, there is hope for you yet. We know the story of Jonah. The guy here is probably one of the clearest messages from God in the Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh. You can't really fob that off as being vague, nondescript or a wild animal howling in the night. God commands go and it's clear that Jonah heard him. So off Jonah went, pretty quickly, in the opposite direction. What follows is a storm, a wail and a few paragraphs of moaning. Then Jonah realises. He realises, having floated around in whale bile for three days, God was going to have his way. He realises he's God's plan for Nineveh. He realises that his God is a God of second chances. He goes to Nineveh, the word reaches the king, and the nation is saved. What about the Apostle Paul? He's heard from God. And he's travelling around Galatia and keeps trying to enter Asia, but God has not allowed him to. But he's following God's plan, right? One night he has a vision, a man from Macedonia begging him to come and help them. At once they got ready and went to Macedonia. Here we've seen two examples of God guiding his people to do his work, to achieve his plan. If God can use a coward or a Christian-hating Jew to carry the gospel, it proves he can use anyone. Spending time in God's word and reminding ourselves of people like Jonah and Paul is what renews and strengthens our faith. What renews and strengthens our faith? Number two, worship. Spending quality time in the presence of the king, often in the company of our sisters and brothers, bringing glory and praise to God. Worship is amazing. Music appeals to me. I love music and I love mixing music. I love how music allows my mind to relax and I can use that as a channel to connect with God. But worship doesn't have to be musical. Worship isn't linear. Rather, it's a broad spectrum depending on who the worshipper is, including, dare I say it, poetry. In my immaturity as a younger Christian, I was very set on what constituted worship. Nothing less than a classic 90s praise hits would constitute a sufficient worship session and satisfy my craving. Someone even tried painting once. This was an unnecessary distraction, so I switched off immediately. And don't get me started on interpretive flag wavers. But but before you lynch me, as I've matured in my faith, God has softened my heart. As I've grown to understand worship and how unique each person's relationship with God is, I've learned to accept that my way of worship is just that. It's my way. 
my channel of worship. When Alice came to the mic to bring her first poem, I instantly shut down and crossed my arms. God doesn't accept worship poetry, right? The theologians and scripture buffs are currently squirming in their seats, plotting to dispatch me before I spread more heresy. Because I was wrong. Because how I viewed other people's worship isn't how God views them. Now I know Alice isn't here, but her gifting is one of the most beautiful and encouraging things that this church family receives. When she gets up with her notepad, I instantly look up, I switch on, and my whole being is excited to hear what she's penned. Why am I excited? Because I know what's coming. Bucket loads of encouragement coming from a really honest and vulnerable place. That gift is such a blessing to this church family. It renews and strengthens us all. For those who are now confused, have a read through the Psalms. You'll quickly understand my immaturity and how wrong I was. Working in a role, particularly on a Sunday morning, is also worship. The band, albeit playing worship songs, in the act of leading the church body in worship, is in itself a form of worship. Driving the PA desk or running Song Pro, welcome, hospitality, kids, each different and wonderful flavours of worship to our Most High God. You still won't find me waving a flag, not because it's any less a gift or any less worshipful. It's just not me. That's not how I engage with my Father. And there are those among you that struggle with song worship. That's okay. As long as you have a way that works and brings glory to God, that's all that matters. The more I understand the relationship God has with his people, the more I'm encouraged. Seeing God's family engaging in their own way with him and engaging ourselves in worship renews and strengthens our faith. What renews and strengthens our faith? 3. Seeing the Holy Spirit moving. I was at Soul Survivor a long time ago and I learnt a valuable lesson of the Holy Spirit. Mike Pilavacci, the leader of the Soul Survivor movement, has my utmost respect in his ability to sense the Holy Spirit. He had a whole tent, maybe 5,000 youth of the leaders, sat down waiting. He prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and asked people to stand when they felt the weight of the Spirit upon them. Having experienced the gifts of the Spirit regularly throughout my Christian life, I was expectant to feel him straight away. But I didn't. With a few people now beginning to stand, Mike encouraged those still sitting to watch. As I looked on, people near those standing also began recognising the presence of the Spirit. Soon enough, the whole tent was standing. Now, I willingly admit that not everyone would have felt the Spirit. Peer pressure is a powerful force. We should not allow ourselves to get swept along uncontrollably. God never puts us into a position where we are out of control in the Spirit. But the point I'm making is, generally, watching and being those who are being affected by the Spirit can engage us in a way that is supernatural. The unity we have as brothers and sisters in Christ means we have a supernatural bond through the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that sometimes it can be a little quiet on the contributions front during a time of sung worship? Then one person will share and we see a cascade of people coming up and sharing, often on a similar topic or theme. Again, this is an example of the spirits, people's spirits being stirred. Next time you're feeling a bit parched, watch those who are being affected by the Spirit. Go, be near them. Listen to them pray. Experiencing firsthand the Holy Spirit moving both in us and in our church family renews and strengthens our faith. How do we know God is calling us? What prompted this topic was a pre topic of this preach was a signpost. My nan and granddad used to live in Haven and my parents would drive us there quite often. As I grew up and did the journey more and more, 
I began to recognise certain points along the journey that I could link to the length of time remaining until we arrived. Along the eastbound A27, just after Pompey, is a green sign that spans the four lanes. We would dive into the left-hand lane under the title A3M. At that point, I knew we were about five minutes away. Going to Brighton years later meant going underneath that same sign. However, this time I needed to be in the right-hand lanes. I had a pang of nostalgia. So many years spent going a certain way. The familiar and exciting times. This was a new season. A new adventure was drawing me a new way. Although I still had a soft spot for going the other way, the excitement of what lay ahead meant I didn't want to go the old way. Fast forward to a few weeks ago. On the way to Jen's parents is the Southwark Tunnel. Now, Lila loves a tunnel. As soon as we're on the motorway at Cadim, she's already asking where this tunnel is. About an hour and a half later, as we get close to it, we pointed out the Mill Hill Bridge, which spans the A27, the black chevrons reminding us to turn when we get to a corner, Tesco's roof poking up above the trees, the tunnel warning signs, and the tunnel. To Jenemy, these locations are familiar signposts. We knew the tunnel was coming long before, and next time we do the journey, Lila will begin to get excited when she sees them. Mill Hill Bridge, the chevrons, Tesco's, because she will recognise the signposts and know what's coming. God might be asking you to look out for new signposts. What do these signposts of faith look like? There are many ways God shows us this plan. That's the joy of having a father that knows how we work, what makes us tick and how we respond and what motivates us. There isn't a single way that God speaks to us. That's why it's important that you recognise your own unique way of communicating and engaging with him. Every family has its own ways of talking amongst themselves, a unique language that only they understand. Anyone looking in from the outside might not understand what is being said. For example, Lila loves apple juice. With dinner, pretty much without fail, she'll have a cup of apple juice. Every day, I ask her what she'd like to drink. Even though I know the answer, I still would like to ask her. Every day, the same response. Apple juice. One evening, I don't know why. I thought I'd mix it up a little bit. I asked her if you'd like mouse juice. I don't know why I did it. It's not a pleasant thought. Do you milk the mouse or just give it a good squeeze? Either way, she now calls it mouse juice, which means that Jenna or I have to translate for anyone who isn't in on the joke. Instead of a single communication method with God, we get to enjoy the bespoke method developed between a child and their parent. To Jonah, he spoke clearly. To Paul, a vision amongst others. For me, I notice opportunities appearing and without too much thought, seize them. Subsequently, I can see God's hand at work through my inability to say no. God is really gentle with me. I sometimes feel something rising within me, a tongue, a prophecy, a picture. Within me is this internal battle of whether to share it or not. On the days when my fear seemingly wins over boldness and courage, I'll see someone else share and this spares me on to do likewise. What are the signposts that God uses to show you his plan? And how does he communicate that with you? This leads me on to serving. I want to encourage you and LCC that you serve so well. We have a strong core of family that comes together and does a great job of honouring each other in acts of service. A lot of it goes unseen, unnoticed and sometimes unthanked. 
and I want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Thank you for doing what God has called you to do. Thank you for stepping out and honouring your church family and your community. Not all of us see it or even acknowledge it, but your Father in heaven sees it and is so pleased with you. I want to encourage you to seize opportunities when they arrive at your feet. We don't serve because our faith depends on it. We serve because our faith and love need somewhere to overflow into. It's not a church without a rotor. How the early church survived without church, we, we will never know. At NLC, there are so many giftings partnered with an abundance of grace for one another. As we honour and serve our family in Wimborne, those here in Forty are giving even more of themselves. They are working alongside our brothers and sisters there to help build team and lovely resource their adventure. Our family there are so grateful for our loving gift of people in this season because it greatly blesses them. My own team has come so far. When we met at the junior school, there are only two of us on the PA rotor, Joe and me. Through God's provision, we're now at a point here in 4D where they don't even seem to notice that I'm no longer here for weeks on end, although I still spam the PA WhatsApp group. God has given us people to serve, for which I am so grateful. A need still exists, however. I feel there are still more job openings that need to be filled. Maybe this is an opportunity God is opening for you. Has the Holy Spirit been nudging you about a new road or pathway? Maybe God is calling you to trailblaze, to make a new road to a new destination. Normally though, it isn't a completely new road, maybe just a new route for you. I didn't build the A27 in order to get to my nan's house. It was already a well-established route. Being in a different lane was just a new adventure for me when I went to Brighton. Consider what opportunities already present themselves and ask God to open or close the door. Try something new. Be bold, be courageous. What does a healthy, serving ethic look like? There's a balance to walk along here between humility, i.e. not self-gaining, and acknowledging gifts that God has given to you. I'm learning this lesson as we speak. God has been moulding me into something usable. When people encourage me or praise me, I'm often too embarrassed and I don't want to acknowledge it. But when we don't acknowledge our God-given giftings, we miss an opportunity to glorify Jesus in all that he has done. When we get embarrassed about doing a good job, we miss out on a chance to renew and strengthen our faith and those of our, and the faith of those around us. We need to remember that Jesus has done a wonderful work in us. His giftings are just that. They're gifts. Wonderful, life-giving gifts that make us useful for his kingdom's advance. The church is useless without gifts and useless if people don't acknowledge them or use them. How about you? What skills do you have? How are you going to use them for his glory? Going forward, what skills do you want and how are you going to get them? What are you prepared to do? An interesting question can be asked here. How far will you go for God? I alluded to earlier that I have a habit of saying yes without fully comprehending what's actually being asked. I say it's enthusiasm. Jen says it's because I don't listen or something like that. I was meant to be serving on a team at New Day a number of years ago. I was a young aircraft engineer and I thought I knew a thing or two about fixing stuff. One of the team managers approached me the day before I started work and asked me if I'd help on another team that was lacking helpers. He assured me it was a crucial role and that it was kind of like fixing stuff, maybe more along the lines of problem solving. Apparently I'd get to ride around site all day in a big HGV. 
sounds good. I'm pretty flexible in what I do. Can't be too much for an aspiring aircraft engineer, right? I'm used to diagnosing problems, working with large, heavy equipment. No sweat. <laughs> Some of you are smiling because you know where this story goes. Well, there was definitely sweat. Lots of it. And plenty of other fluids as well. The toilets on the site had no sewage pipes and the whole lot needed to be sucked up into a lorry and to be deposited near the main buildings. So, I spent the week in a poo lorry. I can, hand on heart, say it was one of my most treasured and fun roles I have ever served. I found it to be fulfilling and I knew that I was being a blessing. See, I would never have signed up for it in advance, but God had me do that instead. I could have easily been disgusted with the idea and, and that would have been fine because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But I would have missed out though. I would never have known the satisfaction of an empty cesspit and the laughs and fellowship that grew whilst floaters ricocheted up a pipe. I had so many quality conversations with Rich, who was my driver and teammate. The guy was in and out of church and I was able to share my testimony with him in an environment that was out of the ordinary. What are you prepared to do? Would you go outside your comfort zone? We know God is big enough to give you the skills to serve him where he's calling you. It's our lack of faith that can hold us back. My favourite saying in Christian circles is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. What signposts is God putting in your path? Is God calling you to something? Do you know what that looks like? We'll go back into worship in a few minutes. This is your opportunity to seek God and begin to find out his plan for you. Jesus' plan might come as an opportunity offered to you. It might be an insatiable longing you've had for a while, years even. It might be a picture or prophetic message that gets shared and lodges in your head. Be open. Don't come with an agenda. Don't expect God to work in the way you have planned. He directs our steps not us. If you have something that you're unsure of, push it back to the Holy Spirit and ask him for confirmation and clarification. Ask a trusted friend to pray with you. We keep saying week after week, get prayed for. There are so many people here that are waiting to pray with you. We love praying and we love seeing God do stuff in people's lives. Be intentional and be expectant. You never know when the proverbial pool wagon is going to rock up. The job might not be pretty, but it's serving the children of God and it's worth doing every single time. I shared in Wimborne a few months ago about stepping out. I was encouraged when I was a teenager to ask God what he had for me. Malcolm Cheetah, a man who had a significant prophetic gifting, talking about taking a physical step. Saying to God, I want to be a part of your plan and I'm prepared to take the first step and trust you for the rest. That night, I did it. In the darkness, I got out of bed, I prayed and I took a step forward. And nothing happened. No bolt of lightning, no voice from the heavens. Thinking I'd managed to take a step wrong, I did it again. And still, nothing happened. I went back to bed feeling a bit disappointed, but I knew God had seen me and that was enough for now something had happened. God had done something I hadn't expected or anticipated. My expectation of God doing something was awakened. Each Sunday 
and Thursday youth, I scrutinised every preach, every prophetic message, expecting God to talk to me. My faith was renewed and strengthened, and his plan for me was slowly unveiled. Slowly, and only a couple of steps at a time, but shown to me, nonetheless. Can I encourage you to give your all in our worship time together? Don't let your mind drift off. Keep focused and eagerly seek what God is saying to us. We read in Isaiah, here I am, send me. What's your plan for the next 30 minutes? WhatsApp, Facebook and Twitter will keep for another half an hour. You can plan your afternoon on your way home because we've got business to attend to. This is the moment to join alongside your family in Christ in worship, in adoration and wonder and expectancy to renew and strengthen our faith together. The MOT is nearly over. It's time to switch on the ignition. What's the cost? It could cost you everything. It could cost you your independence, your time, your efforts, your thoughts and your money. What's the gain? everything. Your faith will be renewed. It'll soar and you'll look back and realise how amazing our God is, how much he puts into those he loves. You'll see your church family differently, you'll serve differently and you'll never want to go back. It'll become consuming and you'll get addicted. Serving the living God is the most satisfying thing you'll ever do and you'll find yourself doing things you never imagined you'd do. You'll be rewarding and even ridiculous at times. You'll look back and wonder why it took you so long for you to realise. Maybe, like me, those years ago, you'll find yourself laughing hysterically at the sucking sound of a pipe at the bottom of a cesspit. Maybe it's a path less well-trodden. Knowing you're being a blessing. Knowing that you're doing your very best for your God who loves you so much. And one day you'll hear the words from your father. Well done, my good and faithful servant. In response, I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning. It's important that, having heard or felt the Holy Spirit's prompt, we respond quickly. Don't wait for a written invite or the mood to feel just right. It's this if this message impacts you, if someone brings a picture or a prophetic message that resonates, I want to encourage you to do something with it quickly. Be stirred. See what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and to us as a family. I do hope that your faith MOT was successful. No dent, scrape or missing part will ever write you off. But if you found some advisories, come and chat them through with us. We can pray together and continue your journey of faith. I'll leave you with a short recording from a sermon by Dr. S.M. Lockridge, given in 1976. Let it renew and strengthen your faith as we press into worship together.